Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. David and Steph here from Life Is Now, and we want to talk to you about hiring. Hiring is a big, big deal in businesses, and most people do not understand how to hire, and they don't understand how to fire. So we thought we would have a conversation about this because it's something that we both had to learn how to do. We've been through the pitfalls. Um, we both. We both came from this. We we made the very common mistake in the beginning. I think you'd agree, Steph, mm-hmm. where we hired people just like us. Yes. <laughs> and we found out that is not going to work. Yes. But we didn't know we were doing it. So we had to, we absolutely had to learn. What's your, what have you learned on your journey between hiring and t- team building? Because you've gone through a massive transformation, if not from just a knowledge standpoint, but the the technicality of actually having to do it on a repetitive basis. Yeah, I've hired many people. You have. Yeah. <laughs> and you fired a few too. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, don't really love doing that, but it's a it's one of those necessary things, yeah. right? Um so I think that when a business owner gets to the point of they know they need to hire and they're they're ready and willing to hire, that they have a tendency to default to a couple of ideas. They'll hire who they like. Uh or they'll hire someone just like them. And the idea between hiring is that you want the best person for the job on your team, right? Just like if you were a soccer team or a football team, and I'm not a sports person, disclaimer, um, but, you know, really looking at well, that was an enormous paradigm shift that you brought to the company. Oh, yes. To look at us as if we were an elite sports team. Yes. And not a family. Right. But an elite sports team. Yeah. And my job as quote unquote general manager coach is to make sure each position is manned by the absolute best. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people think of creating their team or, or their business as family, their team members as family. And I have to say that I really believed that for quite some time too. Me too. But- the problem with that is that you don't put the best people in the position, right? Because no one exactly. wants to no one wants to fire their family. Nobody wants to make anybody mad at them. Um, nobody wants to hold a team member accountable or have or a, a family member accountable or have a hard conversation with them if they're not meeting their their KPIs or or their key results, right. you know, measures of success. So the idea is to to flip that in your brain to if you're a business owner, if you're or if you're a, a CEO, if you're in charge of hiring in the business. The idea is that you're looking for the best player for that position, right? Yeah. In basketball, you want the best player in each position. Yes, they have to work together. You have to have the right culture and we'll get into hiring for culture. But the idea is that you really see yourself as not the mom or the dad of the family. You see yourself as that that coach or general manager who's always looking out for the best interest of the team in and of itself. I mean, we all the time say, you know, what's in the best interest of the company? Right. Because it's easy to d- default into what's in the best interest of me. Yeah. What's the most comfortable for me? Yeah. But when you- when and you, you, got, you got the whole company making decisions uh, based on what's best for the company. Right. That's what, that is like a core tenant of- Here's how we had to change our thinking. Like, where are we making decisions from? It's not from 
this, that, or the other. It's pri- foundationally, it has to be for what's best for right. the company. And then we can bring in other factors. Right. Well, based- most people make decisions based on how to, based on avoiding conflict, right? So, yeah, well, that or we tolerate things yeah. based on avoiding conflict. This is like what's in the best interest of the company, and if it's that's in the best interest of the company, then that's what that's what needs to be done, regardless of who it's uncomfortable for or who it might um, add a little bit of work to their to their plate. But the idea is, is that if you have the right team members on the team, they all want the best player in each of the roles. Isn't that interesting? Because they want the company to be successful so that they can feel successful along with the company. So the idea is that when you go into hiring, you go in looking for specific things. And I've done a lot of study on this. You know, I'm I'm, I'm like, I I totally geek out on this, right? Um, one of the best books that I've ever read on this is a book called um, The Ideal Team Player. Okay. Okay. And normally is that I, a Patrick Lencioni book? That is a Patrick Lencioni book. It's okay. called The Ideal Team Player. My number one all-time favorite book by him is The, the Five um, Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. Thank you. I, my mind went blank That's there. a great book. Um, the Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's a fantastic book. But The Ideal Team Player is, was a real wake-up call for me as well because he really laid out three particular areas that make someone a really great team member. And this is outside of skill set, right? Of course, you want to hire you want to hire someone that's got the skill set, right? That that's That goes without saying. That goes right? without saying. Okay. And you also you also know that you're going to have to train them up in specific skill sets. Right. Anyway, so the three areas are you want to make sure you're hiring some someone who's humble, who's hungry, and who's smart. Um those are often very much overlooked in the interview process, right? So you can go on Google and you can Google, you know, interview questions and the same 25 interview questions will pop up in 500 different blogs. And those questions are usually the ones that get asked, right? Like, you know, what are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? What do you enjoy doing? What do you not enjoy doing? You know, those kinds of questions. But the idea is that when you're looking to hire, you want to be looking for those three qualities, and I'll say them again. You want them to be humble. You want them to be hungry. And you want them to be smart. And we even go so far as to do self-assessments with our team that nobody shares with anyone. Right. But that really allow, allow you to see for yourself, are you that ideal team player? Are you Have you been in the last quarter that ideal team player? And as, as you know, obviously, we do we do team retreats quarterly. So once a quarter, we have two big team retreats, one in the spring and one in the fall, and then one in the winter and one in the summer are our smaller meetings. But we always go back to, let's take a look at how we're showing up because who you're being is everything, right? I mean, that's everything. That's everything. You can overcome any task. You can learn any skill if you're being who you need to be in that role. So we do a self-assessment and they ask themselves, I think it's 18 different questions that, that rate them on those three qualities. Not like, have you done the best humble, in your job? And, <clears throat> humble, <excuse> humble, <throat> hungry, and smart. smart. Yes. So what does that look like? What does humble, hungry, and smart actually look like? So humble looks like, um, I don't want to say no ego because there's always a little bit of ego in everyone, right? So humble looks like a... a 
Um, they're very quick to praise a team member. They're very quick to give others credit where credit is due. Um, they don't need to take credit. And you, you know the people that are always like, right. well, look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Those are not ideal team players, right? Those are lone wolves. Those right. are solo team players right there because they need all the attention and the accolade. Um, you know, we're, we do a weekly wins meeting on Friday and half the time it's our team members shouting out other team members yeah. um, because that team member was a win for the other team member because they helped with something or had an idea for something. Um, so the idea be between humble is that they don't need that constant validation that they're a good person. They're not seeking that. They're actually more giving, which makes, uh, which makes for a really great culture and a really great workplace. Right. I mean, right. absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I'll have a I'll have a conversation with someone and and you know they'll say, oh, you know, you what, what did someone say to me recently? Something like, um, I really want to be a good leader, but I'm I I need to learn how to how to take authority, how to take authority or be an authority. And I said, you know, I have a really great team, and I've never considered myself the authority of my team. Right. I feel like I work for my team rather than they work for, for me. Like sure. my job as whatever my role is, CEO, um, is to make sure that they're set up for success, which means I'm always looking at what I can do to help them hit their goals. Right. Not them looking at what they can do to help me hit my goals. My goals are hit by building the best possible team underneath me. Um, and a lot of people don't get that. They don't. They really don't. And I have also found that I have a tr I have tried to explain this to some business owners that chronically talk to me about issues that they're having. And I'll say, here's how to make this issue go away. And there, there, some people have a real resistance to this idea. They, it's like they want to be the controlling factor. You know, they need to have that that mom or dad position right. over people instead of showing up the way that you're talking about here, because it's a very different, it's a different energy. It's a different perspective. It is a, it is really coming from everybody winning and not just you being the star. Right. You know, some people really have, they don't real they don't realize they have a low self-esteem and that's what they're, what they're doing by trying to be the head of everything. Right. But it's keeping them from progressing forward. Right. Humble people also don't hide their mistakes, right? right. So if you have a constant need for validation for people to tell you that you're doing a good job, you'll hide your mistakes because you think that your mistakes are going to cause you to not get that positive reinforcement. So the idea between a humble person is that they'll sunshine their mistakes. Right, sunshine. Right? So we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Like, guys, if you make a mistake call it out. Like, let's talk about yep. what happened because mistakes are our, our way to growth. Like we don't know what needs to be fixed unless we know that there's a mistake made. I make a concerted effort to like sunshine my mistakes and I make a lot of mistakes. So, you know, and to sunshine your mistakes, it's just saying I made this mistake and this is why, this is what happened. And this is what I'm going to go doing. This is what I'm going to do going forward to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. Or it happens less. And then you take 100% responsibility for that and it doesn't happen again. And your team members learn that you, you're you infallible, you make mistakes, which then causes them to trust you more because you're not hiding anything. Yes. And let me tell you, if you think you're hiding your mistakes from anybody, you are very wrong. 
People know that you've made mistakes yeah. and they know that you're hiding those mistakes. So it's better just to be like, wow, I really, really dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Like that was, whew, I saw, you know, I saw exactly what happened, but this and is what it, we're going to do going yeah, forward. And it, you know, it helps, it helps people remove the fear to say that they've made a mistake right? because there is such a long history in employee employer relations where the employee is scared to death to say that they made a mistake because they're going to get disciplined or they're going to lose their position and they try to hide it and only let the best that they can be um, that they've done be seen. But when you have a team of people that's doing this, the company is not moving forward, right. you know, and, and a lot of what, what is actually being put on the table is BS because there's very valuable information in those mistakes that nobody's learning about. When you sunshine your mistakes, you create um, psychological safety within an organization, mm. right? People mm -hmm. feel psychologically safe. Yeah. It's one of the major things that, I mean, I've read books on this too. And I, there's a book on the tip of my tongue. Um, it's all on psychological safety. It's a classic, but the examples that they use are in the healthcare system and how, how many mistakes are actually made in the healthcare system and how many mistakes would stop being made if people actually sunshine their mistakes. <laughs> Right? You should read and that learn book from today. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? for real, for real, yes. So the idea is that, you know, and, and then think about, think about like this, a humble person, right? So you're, you're, you're a team member, you're an employee, right? You're right. working for a, um, a founder, you're working for a manager, and you're working your butt off, and you're, you're just knocking it out of the park. And then that owner or manager takes credit for your work. Do you think you're going to work as diligently going nope. forward? Nope. Nope. That sucks. Yep. That really does. Especially since we know most people work for appreciation. That's right. And it's not just that they're not getting it. Somebody's taking what deserves to be yours. Correct. So when you've got people on your team that are all humble and they're all willing to give praise to people who are doing a great job, it lifts the entire organization up. So humble's the first one. Okay. Hungry's the second one. Right? So hungry is they're always looking to do more. They're looking for how they can make things better for someone else. They're looking for what extra they can do in their own work. There are those people that are always looking to do more, right? Key, key people like, you know, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. Yep. I keep, you, I'm married to a sports fanatic. So why I keep using these sports references, right. but it's the idea that they don't just go to the gym for a specific amount of time, right? They, they do what's necessary to get the job done and, and then some, um, and that doesn't mean that they're, they're self-sacrificing or that they're a martyr because of it. They, they just want to contribute more, right? Right. They're not just there to collect a paycheck. They're passionate about the vision and they want to help get that vision out into the world. And that's a hungry person. So they're look they're um, you know, they're they're always looking for new ideas to present. They're always taking new trainings or asking to take new trainings. I mean, here we we pay for all of our team members' trainings. Right. We're like, if you find something that you think is gonna better the company, bring it to me. We'll pay for it, right? Like They'll, they'll come to you with things like, hey, I think we could really be, I think we could really use this specific skill and I'm willing to learn it. You know, what do you think about sending me to this training to learn it, right? So they're always looking to push and move the company forward rather than just show up, do a task and get a paycheck at the end of the day. Well, it's very different. I mean, the, in, we both experienced this in our former life in the jobs that we did. 
where people had this mentality, I'm not going to do more than I'm paid for. Right. You know, they stop right there. Yeah. And then, now I remember when I was working really hard to get ahead in the company that I worked for before I started my own business, I, in the very beginning, before I understood how to draw boundaries, I used to get so much shit from the other employees because I was doing more than them. And they were mad because they were like, they're going to expect us to do this nonsense mm-hmm. if you don't stop it. There, I mean, there were times where it almost came down to fist fight, you know, because I worked with a bunch of guys. It was a trucking, in the trucking industry. Yeah. And it was, it was this deep-seated idea that I am going to work just enough so I get paid and they're going to pay you just enough so you don't quit. And this is supposed to be a team that moves a company forward or be competitive in any way. Right. Yeah, my experiences as a teacher, I I was teaching English, um, I think to fifth graders and I needed books. Like I wanted to do this new book thing called Literature Circles um, where the kids got to pick the own, their own book that they were really interested in and then they read it together in a group of four or five and then they discuss it and we talk about literary terms and and all that all the actual technical stuff that they needed to meet the criteria, but it was it was they got to choose the book, so they were more invested in in the outcome of it. But I didn't have any books, so I I I wrote a grant. I submitted a grant to get all this money to buy these literature circle books, and I got it. And it was like twelve thousand dollars worth of books. We didn't know where we were, where we were, where we were going to store all these books, and they made an announcement. And there were actually teachers that rolled their eyes, you know, because everything's about comparison. <laughs> it wasn't crazy. about the great thing that had just happened for these kids that they're now going to get to, you know, experience reading some books that they were actually really passionate about. Yeah, yeah. It was, oh, she, you know. What's sad about that is that the kids are the ones that yeah. that suffer from that, yeah. right? Yeah, from yeah. adults, their own emotional nonsense. Yeah. But I mean, think about it. How many times, you know, when you would, you would go to work, you'd be like, okay, I got to go to work. And the common response back is, all right, don't work too hard. All the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Like, all the time. So much so that I would catch myself saying it without even realizing what I was saying. Like, I don't work too hard. Wait a second. Well, I still have people like, in, in my in my extended family that aren't really involved in what I do now. Like, they'll call me and they'll say, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm working. And they're like, well, that sucks. Yeah. And it's like, no, not really. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm doing what I love to do. My work doesn't suck. Yeah. You know, it's I have a very different relationship with what I do. I get out of bed every day and I'm enthusiastic about what I'm doing. Yeah. And the thing with hungry people is that they don't, they don't, they want to do more. Why do they want to do more? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, is this, well, so, so let me be, let me be more clear. That wasn't a fair question. Like, so they want to do more. Do you think that this is part of their makeup as an individual or do you think that this is something that they were taught along the way, because it's not like, I mean, we still hear today people talk about don't work too hard. So the, those mindsets are still out there and they're out there big and heavy. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to think of why I like where my hunger comes from. And I think it comes from my childhood. Um, it was either, you know, accept the things you cannot change or change the things you can. Right. Like I couldn't complain about things like there. I didn't have an ear. No one would listen to me complain about anything. So it was, and my dad's a recovering alcoholic, right? So that's part of the, I think that's part of the serenity prayer, right? Like change the things and accept the things that you can't, period. 
And right. it's also tied back to a Maya Angela quote, right? Like, don't complain, do something about it or accept the fact that right. that's the way it is. Right. And you're, you're a hungry individual. I am. You want amazing things out of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. And I think that's true for most hungry people is that they just really find a lot of value in doing a great job. And they also feel challenged by being hungry. Yep. They're not those type of people that, that like they're, they're people that get bored easily and they just want, they just want to do more. They want to be helpful. They yep. want to see, see things grow. And you put a hungry person in an environment where there are other humble people and they get the appreciation that everyone wants and it just goes, it just goes viral. Yeah. You know, then everybody becomes hungry and everybody becomes humble because that's the culture that you're breeding in your organization. We were in a meeting a while back with a, with a client and um, they were talking about something and you said to them, the reward is the great job. Do you remember that? Yes. You said the reward is a great job. Yes. And I was like, that's absolutely brilliant. But I also noticed the look on their face when you said it. Yeah. They had never heard that before. Right. Because rewards when you're a child are usually food. They're, and a reward for doing something you don't want to do. Right. Right. So I just right. want to throw that in the, in the Exactly. Mix. Yeah. So it's like, oh, my reward at the end of a hard day is a glass of wine or an ice cream sundae. Or, right. Yes. And I'm like, why can't the reward at the end of the day just be knowing that you did your best? Like- the results that you got that day are the reward. That's cause and effect, yep, right? Yep. I mean, the the idea that you need some kind of outside reward for doing a great job is based- Based on a bribe. It's based on a bribe. It's, it's based, based in bribe. dysfunction. Yep. And it keeps you totally trapped. Yeah. And I mean, this this goes down, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down with this, but one of the, one of the key ones that it goes down is the nonsense that people have been taught that they can't do what they want in life that they can't do the thing that's going to make them happy or they can't earn money doing the thing that makes them happy. And that's entirely nonsense. So they end up picking something that they can get themselves to do. And of course, they're going to want a reward for that, right? Because yep. they were spending 8, 10, 12 hours a day doing something in their mind. It sucks. Yes. So we've got humble. We've got hungry. Yeah. And then the third one is smart. Ooh. So this does not necessarily pertain to intelligent smart. This is more emotional smart. So these people understand the dynamics of a group. They can pick up on people. Um, they can problem solve. So the idea is that they don't just constantly bring problems to you. They bring solutions. So instead of saying, this is a problem that we have, they say, hey, this is a solution I have for this problem that I've noticed. Um, proactively. Proactively. So they're not looking for you to, to solve all of their problems. Right. And they also have a keen sense of the other personalities of the team. Um, and, and they can kind of like feel group, group dynamics. Um, smart people just know how to be with other people and know, I guess, trust themselves to figure out answers to questions. I think there's a lot of reason why people bring, bring problems and not solutions is that they don't trust themselves to have the solutions. Um, so you, that's gotta be, do you think that that's tied back to not wanting to make a mistake? Oh, though? it's so painful for most people to make a mistake. Yeah. That's what I figured. It's so painful. I mean, it was never okay to make a mistake. No. The only time it was okay to make a mistake is when we were like little tiny babies and we were trying to learn to walk, right? And then it was okay to fall. That's about the only time. Times. I mean, whether it, 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 if you think about the two main things that 
it, or the, I should say the three main things that kids are usually involved with. So you've got school, you've got sports, recreational activities of some kind, and religion. It's not okay to make th- mistakes in any of those areas. Yeah. It is frowned upon. It, 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 uh, you're, you're made wrong. You're belittled. You're shamed. You're embarrassed. You get harassment from the other people. And then that's the mindset that you're going to carry into uh, a team environment for everybody right. to win. Yeah, I mean, think about this. You're... You are, you, you know, that this fear of making a mistake, right? Yeah. So you come to your team leader with a problem. You don't bring the solution because you want the team leader to provide the solution. So if the solution is the wrong solution, that responsibility is on the team leader's shoulders and not yours. Because if you make that mistake, that threatens your security, right? Because right. That, that's your financial security. So you have all of these people and if you have managers who aren't aware, you have all of these people coming to to you as the owner, as the CEO, or as the manager with their problems. And then you pick up that problem and you put it on your back and now you're responsible for that. And then you start resenting the people that work for you. Yep. Because you feel like they can't make a decision to save their life. So why are they even part of your part of your team? But the real problem going on is that you're not empowering them and you're not showing them that you can trust them to make those decisions, right? So when someone comes to you with a problem, your knee-jerk response should be, if I wasn't here, how would you solve this problem? Or what would you suggest? And then help work them through that and let them make a mistake right? so that they get comfortable making mistakes. They get comfortable bringing solutions. They realize that their job's not threatened if they have the wrong solution or if they make a mistake, right. which then causes them well, to we, feel even more comfortable yeah, to do that, yeah. right? And we specifically say to um, to team members, making a mistake is not a fireable offense here, right? I mean, there's there's ways that you can, you can be let go, but it's not by making a no. mistake because you're trying to do something and it didn't work or you did the wrong thing. No. That's a big deal psychologically in someone's mind. Yeah. Um, there's a great book. It's called No Rules, Rules by Reed Hastings. It's um, all about the Netflix culture. Yeah. Um, and he point blank says no one will ever be fired because of a mistake. In fact, usually it's the opposite. Yeah. If you're not making enough mistakes, then that means you're not taking enough initiative and that means you're not an A player. So we're going to offer you a severance package and replace you with someone who is willing to take those risks. That is a very different mindset. It's an amazing mindset though. It really, it really is. Yeah. Well, and how, I mean, so, you know, just in the real world, how many people are told that it's okay to make a mistake and then they make a mistake and all, you know, and all hell breaks the, loose. the reins of right. hell drop down right. on their shoulders. Yes. We live in a, we live in a world that really, really punishes people for mistake for mistakes. Yeah. And that's also not even just, you know, as a, as a founder, as a CEO, it's not even what you say to people. If they, when they make a mistake, it's how you react to the mistake. It's your body language, right? It's the, the tone of your voice. Um, you don't even need to get like, be up in somebody's face, so to speak. Or I've heard people say, oh, I, you know, lit a fire under somebody's, like, no. <laughs> um, it's really in, in how you show up with your own mistakes, right? If you get angry and upset with your mistakes, your team members 
know that it's not okay for them to make mistakes. Right. If you sunshine your mistakes, they learn that it's okay for them to make mistakes. Right. If you get upset when they make a mistake and your body language shows that you're agitated and upset, they learn that it's not okay to make mistakes. So the idea is that you're very conscious of how you're showing up in these situations and you have the tools necessary to talk them through, okay, what happened? right? What, what happened? You don't say it's all good. It's, it's not all good. Yeah. It's okay. Let's talk through what happened. What led to this? And what do you think you need to change going forward? So it doesn't happen again. Okay, great. Onward. And these are people that want to do good. These are people that desperately want to do good. Yes. And they want to do good because they love being a part of the culture that you've created. They have a passion that's equal to the passion that you, that, that the vision yes. brings to the company. Like everyone that works for Life Is Now is passionate about helping people. Right. We're passionate about how we communicate messages to people so that they can clearly understand things and then make changes in a positive way in their own life, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we had, if we had someone on the team that, that wasn't passionate about that, that's going to come through in how they show up in their, mm -hmm. in their role and in their work. Right. Yep. But if you've got people who are on the same page in terms of they're all in alignment with this singular vision, it's like, it's like a train on train tracks. It yeah. just, it goes right straight to the vision and then the goals are right behind the vision and what you're able to achieve. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember several years ago, you and I met some, some uh, uh, business leaders who were really coming from the, the psychological aspect of give the employee what they need to win. If they need this time off, if they need to do something in their personal life, don't make their life harder. Right. Right. Give them whatever you possibly can to make them win. And we'll, we'll look at uh, Netflix with the, with the, their idea of vacation. Yeah. You can have as much vacation as you want. Yep. You just have to get it, the job done and you have to organize it with the company so that it works. And I think that, and, and they say people don't take advantage of it. Right. You know? It's not like they're saying, well, I'm going to take 50 weeks vacation work nope. to, and work too. Because people are reasonable when you allow them to be. Exactly. We don't have a, a limit on nope. the amount of vacation. We don't. You know, it, it's just, hey, I'm going to be gone these three days. I'll make sure and have everything complete and covered. And I never have to worry about anything not being done yep. or deadlines not met. Yep. And you see something else. Most people say to us, and if you need something, you can reach me. Yes. Right? Yeah. Instead of, don't talk to me. Right. Right? Because that's a, I mean, and but but that's the way most people live in the positions that they're in. Right. Yeah. Um, Adam Grant, who is an organizational psychologist, I love his books too. Um, I follow him on Instagram and he always has these great posts. Yeah. And his- Adam of, Grant? Adam Grant, yeah. One of his last posts that he posted was about- you know, everybody thinks that you need all these rules in your organization for people to follow or they're going to take advantage of it. If you feel like you have to have all these rules in your organization or people are going to take advantage of it, you have the wrong people on the bus. <laughs> you just have the wrong people in the organization. And I, I couldn't agree more because I just, that certainly hasn't been our experience. Right. Yeah. We have people that work virtual, you know, some days we have people that work in the office all the days. I know that if one of our digital media producers takes four days off and goes on a vacation to do video shoots somewhere, he's going to come back with a new skill, a new idea that we can then implement here. You know, like I just think experiences are what, what create great people and great people create great companies. Yep. Yep. One of the things that I think is very interesting is how many people say to us, they wish they had a team 
like we have. And then when they start to talk about what they're doing and you'll say, why don't you try something different instead of yelling at them or disciplining them or threatening them or building a fire under their ass, you give really solid, good suggestions like you have here. And they'll be like, but how, how am I going to get any work done? Or where's their motivation going to come from? And you can see the psychological difference in the owner's mind. Yeah. You know, I think for me, the biggest point of growth is I'm a, I'm kind of a, a recovering, con- recovering control freak. Just I think you would uh, yeah. agree with that. Um, but I've learned to, I've learned to, to use my need for control in positive ways and not in negative ways. For sure. So with a lot of businesses, you've, they've been the one in control the whole time. Right. So they're controlling what their clients see and experience. They're controlling their own environment and to bring people in and to not have those rules feels like they're losing control. Yeah. But when in actuality is the agreements that you make create the control, they create the framework for any really well, well-run organization. So yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So if you've got humble, hungry and smart people on your team, you're winning, period. You are winning. I agree. I agree. I've seen it work. I've seen it in action. (laughs) It totally works. Well, that's cool stuff. I mean, thanks for for sharing that. You've done such an amazing job and you've learned so much. Um, And it's so fresh. It is such a, a fresh outlook and it worked. It so works with our college, our, our, our culture. And it's an elegant solution. It is. And I know what people are thinking right now. They're thinking, yeah, but how do I know if I'm hiring someone that's humble, hungry, or smart? Is that what they're thinking? They're thinking that. Okay. Like how, what questions do I ask to be able to know if I'm doing this right? Um, so I've got a couple questions. Okay. You want me to share them? Share them. Okay. So interview questions. You ready? So one inter- interview question to determine if someone is humble is to ask them to describe what they like and dislike about their current team. A humble person will focus way more on what they liked about the team than what they disliked about the team. Another question is, what was the most embarrassing moment in your career or your biggest failure? <laughs> and if someone's really comfortable talking about their most embarrassing moment or their biggest failure, you know that they're they're humble. If they're very uncomfortable or they can't think of something because everyone's had an embarrassing Every moment or failure, Many. then you know that they're not humble, that they're very guarded and they'll hide things. Um, and then another question, which I always found very interesting was, how do you handle apologies, either, either giving or accepting them? That is and listen to watch their body language and listen to how they answer. And that's going to tell you if they're, if they're a humble they're person humble. or not. Yeah, because if they're humble, they can both give and receive apologies very, very easily. Many people have a very difficult time receiving. Yes. They'll apologize for everything, but they can't receive they an apology to save their life. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on to hungry. I got okay. my cheat sheet okay. here. So um, hungry is what is the hardest you've ever worked on something in your life? And let them tell a story. Okay. What's the hardest you've ever worked on something in your life? And what are you looking for there? Looking for specific examples of real but joyful sacrifice. 
Uh Right. So the idea isn't that when they're talking about how hard they worked, that they jump into that victim martyr. This person was like, I had to do it. They, you know, make it someone else's fault that they were actually really excited to work on this. And that was the reason why they worked so hard. Gotcha. Right. So it's not just in the, in the answering of the question. It's also kind of in the body language that they bring and the tone of voice and their facial expressions um, about, about how hard they worked for something, but that they were glad to work hard for something. And then the other one is, um, let's see here. What was your work ethic like as a teenager? And what are we looking for there? So specifics, (laughs) specifics, because it's hard to be, it's hard to lie and, and, and use specifics at the same time. So they want, you want to see that they're using a really specific example because generally the more specific, the more true. Um, And you want to look at like how they showed up when it, when it came to, you know, participating in sports or in their first job or, you know, what they did in terms of chores around their house and the, and again, the emotion that they br- that they brought to it. Is it a sense of pride? Are they proud of their work ethic? Or are they using that work ethic to make them a victim of something else? Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. So on to SMART. Okay. Page three of my cheat sheet here. So have you, have you ever worked with a difficult colleague or boss? How did you handle the situation? And again, you're looking for specifics. You're looking for them not to go into a long story about how horrible this boss was or this person was. You're looking for what they noticed in the situation, what they noticed about the other person and how they showed up in that situation and what their response was. Um, What do you do that others in your personal life might find annoying? So that this this answer keys into their ability to recognize how they affect other people. Ah, Sure. I could see that. Right? Because yeah. you somebody smart very readily recognizes how their behavior yes. and affects other people. Yes. Whereas someone who's not as smart could be completely oblivious that the fact that they're chomping gum in a quiet meeting is annoying the hell out of everybody in right. the room. Right. Right. And then you've got that then you've got issues in the room. Um, and then the last one is let's see. Ah, can you give an example of how you've demonstrated empathy to a teammate? Okay. Again, it under it shows that they understand something besides themselves. Something besides themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those something are great questions. Themselves. Yeah. So now you have the, the the idea behind who you need to hire outside of the skill set obviously you want to yep. hire psych I don't want to just say just go hire someone humble hungry and smart that has no like experience or right, skill set right. um, but it's really important that you hire for culture skill usually is secondary sure does bring a lot of peace to the company and you don't mm-hmm. see the gossip you don't see the backbiting you don't see this backstabbing you know nope. the hiding like all of that stuff is completely gone right no back channeling, no, right. you know, politicking, no politicking, nobody politics, no. And it's so much more productive. It is. Those things are not happening. And everybody's having a good time for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Right? Everybody Sometimes wants person to be there. have a bad day, but we all seem to really have a great time together. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, 
go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.